All right, then. Um, I'm going to continue on the spirit of adventure, and we'll just probably look at some, um, some, of, some examples, in, but we'll probably focus in John 21, in Jesus speaking to, to Peter, and see how we use that as a platform for, for what I want to focus on today. Essentially, I want to talk about obedience, all right? In order to have an adventure in the spirit, We've got to be willing to obey the Spirit, but we also got to be able to recognize the Spirit, all right? Um, so we'll just talk about that today and see where the Spirit leads us. Um, if we just look at that last verse in John 21, the Gospel of John, probably set the context bef- to set the context before we dive into it, all right? You all there? Verse 25. Oh, it's there. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> yeah. This one always confused me. It says, And there were many other things which Jesus did, which if they were written in detail, I suppose that not even the world could contain the books that would be written. And we know Jesus, he lived for there about 30-something years. And most of the miracles or the things that we saw he, he did is written in the Gospels. So, my brain can't compute that because I think we can write about everything he did. A lot of the disciples did. But I think it's not just the, the acts of charity or generosity that that is speaking about. It is speaking about the testimony. All right? And it is very important when we, when we read scripture that we don't just read it literally, but we understand that there's treasure buried inside the very letters that we find in the scriptures, all right? Um, God is never really about the literal translation or just the act that he motivates me to do to Phil, to Dawn, to, to Richard. He's looking for something deeper inside of me, all right? God speaks on a level of heart, not just the words, all right? That's why he always talks about the motives, all right? So when we listen to someone sharing or we're singing a song, Let's make sure that we're not focusing on the lines. We are allowing our hearts to be open so that God could minister something really deeper. Okay? Um, it says in Proverbs 25, it says, it talks about the glory of God concealing a matter and the glory of kings to unveil it. And some of you might not like that. I didn't like it at first. It's like, why is God making things difficult if he wants me to get it? But God makes it difficult, or he conceals it because he don't want us to have an academic understanding of that which he's declaring. Jamie did something with song effects. I can't do it justice. On last first Tuesday prayer, those who were there, something with the coin in the parking meter or something, I can't do the song effects. (laughs) But he was talking about moving from head knowledge into the heart, all right? And he used an analogy of dropping a coin into one of those machines. And... That is where we want to get to. To really go on an adventure of the spirit, you can't just listen to all the teachings or attend all the meetings and then grasp it. It's got to be something we perceive at a heart level. And to perceive it at that heart level, we all need to be willing to change, to die. All right? And let's just look at this scripture in Peter. And we see Peter going through that death process. We stay in John 21. 
that's verse 18. Reading from a different version, but I'm sure you'll be able to follow. It said, truly, truly, I say unto you, when you were younger, you used to gird yourself and walk wherever you wished. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will guide you or gird you and bring you to where you do not wish to go. Now this he said signifying by what kind of death he will glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. Now a lot of Bible scholars debate this and they said it's because Peter was crucified upside down on a cross and it signified the natural death Peter had to go through. I want to believe that God was talking about something more than Peter's natural death. All right? Peter needed to die in order that he could have allowed the will of God to come out of him. If we back up in, this, in, 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 in John, remember Peter, when he said, hey, when he rebuked Jesus and said, stop talking this nonsense, I will never forsake you. When Jesus said the disciples was going to scatter. Everyone know that story? All right, Jesus was talking. Jesus said, who am I? Peter came out with this profound revelation. Thou art the son of the living God. He said, whoa, flesh and blood haven't revealed this to you, but the father. And you, Peter, are a rock, and upon this rock I'll build my church. A few verses down, he was saying, you know, now, this is, let me tell you some things that are going to happen. They're going to strike the shepherd, and the sheep is going to spread away. And Peter says, he pulled Jesus aside and said, why are you talking this thing? Nobody will forsake you, and I wouldn't forsake you. And he said, yes. And then Peter denied him three times before the crock crowed. All right? Here's the same Peter in John 21 being asked a question and again and again. If we just go back up probably to verse 12. Um, let's go to verse 1, and I'll paraphrase as we go down. All right? Somebody shared about this recently. So, Jesus is crucified. The disciples are there grieving. And one morning or one night, they said, hey, I'm going to fish. And remember, Peter was a fisherman. He was one of the disciples, all right? And he goes out into a boat. A couple of the disciples joined him. And they're fishing. And they're doing what they are very skilled in doing. So imagine there are different professions in here. The teachers, doctors, um, whatever you may be. You're doing what you're very skilled to do, and you're supposed to be able to be fruitful in that, all right? But they're not having a result in their natural ability, all right? And then this chap walking on the seashore says, children, you scroll down, have you gotten any fish? And they said no. And he says, let's cast it on the other side. And I'm really amazed that as they obeyed, he then went on to say they caught such a large school of fish that the net was straining to contain it. But very interestingly, we've seen physical toil all during the night replaced by one act of obedience and then fruitfulness come. All right? And he said, then the one who the, who the Lord loved said to Peter, it is Jesus. All right? It's our Lord. So he jumped out. They were about 100 yards offshore and he ran in to the shore to greet Jesus. And then the other disciples drew the net closer, and then they came out. Then a very strange thing happened, which um, they said when they came out, even before they brought the fish to shore, 
there was a fish already barbecuing. I didn't know Jesus knew how to cook, but a, a bit of side context. Why they threw that in there, I don't know. But not just that he could cook. He already had fish. These are guys fishing all night, trying to get something, but here's a guy on the seashore. A fish turns up, and they're showing him very, in a, in a context that we don't see normally. We normally see him as a teacher, as a healer. Here's it is saying, he was already cooking, and he called them to bring some of the fish to also cook. All right? And then he went on to talking to Peter. He says, Peter, son of John, do you love me? And he says, yes, you know now, Lord, I love you. And that question repeated itself three times. And it's only when Peter, I believe, came to that last question, when he says, yes, Lord, you know. And he was willing to say, you know what? Beyond my knowledge, beyond the zeal I I demonstrated back then when I say I wouldn't deny you, Father God, you know. And therefore, I surrender myself to you. You remember that story about the dry bones in Ezekiel? He says, son of man, can these dry bones live? And there was a sense in which we've got to allow God's word and die to our preference for God's word to move through us to bring that life to being. And I've been, as I've been meditating on um, this season of Adventure and saying, God, what does it mean for me? How do I replace whatever head knowledge I have to a place where your spirit could find its expression? Where I don't try to ride the bicycle, you know that analogy John gave, riding pillion. God, how do I occupy the back seat on that bike? How do I allow your spirit to find its expression in me? And the only thing God has been saying to me is you've got to be willing to die. And I'm saying, God, but where else I need to die? (laughs) You know? And daily he has just been revealing aspects of my security, my nature, my preference, my identity. And I'm sure he's doing the same thing for all of us as well. Is that process alive in each of us? As we're yielding to adventure? God is saying, hey, unless you are willing to die, unless you are willing to yield, I can't produce something. And, you know, just over the last few days, you know, a lot of scriptures just started to take a different perspective in my mind. To me, I I now was able to see in this season of adventure that God always seems to work with what appears dead. Does that resonate with you? God always seemed to work with what is dead. It said, you know, it started off in Genesis. The earth was without form and without void. And he called something into being. He spoke into clay, and he brought forth man. Yeah? You know, he said, I will cause wells to come up in the desert places. You know, in Isaiah 60, down to Isaiah 64. It talks about the valleys of Baca. So somehow, God is always requiring death in order to produce life. And he even did it with his son. Not just the physical death, but the submission of his very preference in the Garden of Gethsemane. All right, the cross is just an afterthought. And, you know, it, was, it is significant. I'm not diminishing the cross. But I think the surrendering of Jesus' will before Pontius Pilate and also in the Garden of Gethsemane is the thing that allowed God to get his ultimate reward. So the challenge I have for myself and for yourself and for you today is how do we identify the things that are living in our lives 
that are obstacles to God finding the altar, the place of praise, the place of enthronement that he wants to give. Anybody, you understanding what I'm saying? How do we identify the things in our lives that are the obstacles or that are being required by God to be the sacrifices so that he can enthrone himself? And that is not just a mental thought process that we lock ourselves away. If we just turn to Philippians 2.13... So, that scripture is quite relieving. For it says, For it is God who works in you, both to will and to act according to his good purpose. Alright? So, we're not setting out on a journey, just seeking to quash our identity. Alright? In Romans, it also talks about, it is he who calls us to this road of salvation. Alright? Just as Abraham, Abraham didn't just set out on an adventure, and discovered God along the way. God called him. And God said, as I um, was mentioned this morning, he said, I will be your shield, and I will be your great reward. And so is there a sense in which this journey of adventure cannot be just an exercise looking for excitement? I don't think any of us are still looking for that excitement. You know, it's, it's, it's a journey of discovering him. But God is the enabler who causes us to come to a place where we can make his name a praise, all right? But to do that, you've got to hear his voice, or you've got to identify his spirit, all right? Um, Romans, if we shift to Romans uh, 8. Romans 8, 14. Yeah. If you bring up verse 12 to 16. All right, he said, therefore, brothers, we have an obligation, but it's not to the sinful nature to live according to it. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to dead, death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Because those who are led by the Spirit are the sons of God. For you did not receive the Spirit to make you slave again to fear, but you have received the Spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are the children of God. And there's a, there's a lot buried inside that, those few, few passages. There's a song I, I, I kind of love, and I love to play in the background when I'm home. I'm no longer a slave of fear, but I'm a son of God. And that's really interesting for me. It challenges me, even recently. If I'm no longer a slave to fear, it is not just speaking about now, this present circumstance. It's talking about next year, next 10 years. It's, a, it's an absolute that is present continuous. And oftentimes we get through victories with God and we almost believe we need to somehow kind of use a lot of energy because we can have a relapse. And God was challenging me this week 
If he's saying that we're no longer a slave of fear, and you could put anything in place of that word fear, whatever you believe is the thing that torments you, God is saying you're no longer that. You are a son of God. And the challenge to me was, God, in following your spirit, can I really stay in the sweet spot of your spirit and hearing your voice and forever please you? Or is this just an activity that is good for now, but if I, if, you know, I could fall off the bicycle, so to speak. And God was saying, no, this is something that I've forever done. You are forever a son. It doesn't change. Forever a son. And therefore, as we engage in this spiritual adventure, this, I want to believe that this is not just a season. Um, this is something that is going to last. Mark and somebody else, I think it was Kay, somebody else was telling me about two podcasts and something else they read this week. And one was from America and one was from somewhere else. And it's very interesting. The things that they were sharing were coming out of communities overseas that we're not connected to. But they seem to be focusing on the very set thing. Spirit of adventure, they call it this, they call it um, journey with the spirit or whatever the case is. And I just found it rather intriguing because I think academically I have accepted that God don't speak with an English accent or he doesn't speak just in Dagenham. Um, he speaks to the earth. And it's for us who have, you know, as the scripture says, who has an ear to hear, let him hear. But very soon after, I kind of said, God, well, that's amazing. You're talking to us too, just as you're talking to people overseas. He's, you know, I was just reminded of the scripture. He says, but some bear 34, some 64, and some 104. So, Hans, the challenge to you is who have an ear to hear, let him hear. This season of adventure that is upon us, you can decide it's just a convenient word or it's just the focus of the leadership over these few months as a build-up to Pilgrim in 17. It is something that you have heard five years ago or ten years ago. Or you have read that scripture in the word before. Or you can decide that this is the very thing that I'm calling you to. And if you remember the, the wise virgins, you've got to be ready to journey into God's rest. You've got to tend your lamps and you've got to gather oil in the day of his power. If you don't, you cannot journey into the bosom of the bridegroom and find a level of rest. Yeah? There is revelation that God is releasing through the spirit of adventure. And the challenge to me, and I dare say the challenge to you as well, is to make sure that we are the ones who have an ear to hear so that it could be fruitful with us. The very scripture, the book, we know God hasn't added to it. It's the same scriptures. Who have never read that scripture before? We've all read it, no? We've all probably gone over it. We've all seen that thing in John 21 with Peter. Do you love me? And he said, yes, Lord, you know. But I think somehow there is a level at which we need to sacrifice every bit of revelation. As we're talking in the core group, um, sacrifice every revelation. How do I, how do I, how to put that? I find that when I read the scripture, the Old Testament, and I see the exodus and the adventure of the children of God, 
Sometimes I find myself saying, why are they so foolish? Why they couldn't trust God, you know? Why they all couldn't be like Caleb and Joshua? Didn't they see the plagues? Have you ever said that to yourself? You know? Or, or why did they decide to steal something that God said not to touch? You know? Why didn't they realize they could eat the showbread? Why didn't they realize like David they could dance before God as we dance? Why they don't realize some, some, some religious groups that you can lift your hands and praise God with your whole being and you don't have to, you know, sing in a very solemn kind of posture? And the challenge that God gave me is that, yeah, but Hans, there are things that you think you know right now that if I ask you for them, you wouldn't willingly give them up. And he said, these people, that was their testimony. They all spoke about, this is how our forefathers did it. At every successive generation, they were saying, this is how our forefathers worshipped. But God was calling them to something more. The woman at the Samarian, the Samarian woman at the well, she says, are you going to give us, what sweet water are you talking about? <laughs> you know, this well is what our forefathers dug, and we were told to wait here for the coming of the Messiah. And here is this guy, thirsty, almost dead, falling down at the well, and saying, I am the water, you need to drink of me. And God's challenge to me, and I think to all of us, is there must be nothing and whatever we think is the high point, probably I could ask you all, what do we think is our revelation? As I said in the court, one of our revelations is community. We have walked in community for quite a long time, and I think we have a very developed and expressive way of living in community. But the question to us is, will we be willing to put that aside for God to break forth something new? Yeah? And those are the kind of questions, unless we are willing to sacrifice the very thing, then we are just like Peter. We are saying, God, no. We want to live all in a manner that we have shared life, you know, that we can meet each other and, 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 and speak into each other's life. So if God says, you know what, I want you guys now, because you are a perfected seed, to be a sprinkling to the earth. Or I want you to, in your jobs, do something else. Or I want the expressions, be it lifeline projects or net network, to do something differently. The question I'm asking myself, together with the core team is, are we willing to use that as a sacrifice that God could do something else with? And if the, and the reflexive answer is no, then we just like Peter. If we want to preserve the present tense and not use it as a sacrifice for that which is to come, we wouldn't enter into his rest. And I'm not encouraging anybody just to abandon the state of life that you have right now. Yeah? That is not the encouragement. The encouragement is to have a heart that is willing to say yes to God when he shows up. All right? But in order to do that, we've got to be able to recognize him when he comes. In order to recognize him, you've got to be seeking him. He doesn't just show up just like that. Because it says, as I said in Proverbs 25, it says, it's the glory of God to conceal a matter. So, I just want to lead us in some prayer. And what I want to ask us to do is, as I'm praying, that we search our hearts. That we ask God, God, what more is there for me? God, create that hunger inside of me. 
God calls me with those who I surround myself around to find people who are able to be like olive branches that creates inside of me that hunger you talked about with David in Psalms 119, that my soul pants for you. And if your soul is not panting for God right now, I just want to encourage you, ask of him. And he said, if you ask those things of him, he will give you. All right? That's the confidence I have in God. All right? Um, And that God will take us to a place that really is without borders, like Phil, you said, deep waters when you were sharing, that God will take you into a place where our operating system is so transformed that it can it could evolve. It's not an old Windows Microsoft program or Apple iOS. It is something that God could build and add to and really take us into pastors deep. All right? So I'm going to pray that, and as we do that, then I'll probably invite the band to come back because I want to give space for us to go into God. All right? So, Father God, I thank you today. Could you stand with me? I thank you. Father God, because in the testimony of the word and the scripture, we have seen, God, where you have spoken simple words to men and they were able to carry them for years. That Abraham, oh God, one of the forerunners in the faith, was able just to hear your voice calling him out. And as he walked in faith, God, he was able to discover and to know you. Father God, I thank you for for Moses and the others who had but a brief encounter. Father God, and you sent them, oh God, to perfect your will. Father God, therefore, I'm coming to you today and together with this brethren. And God, we ask you to search our hearts. Father God, we ask you, oh God, to help us identify so that we could willingly give up the things that are standing as obstacles to our souls longing after you. Father God, we're not seeking to fill this time with knowledge or scripture. Oh God, any any level of teaching apart from, oh God, giving space for your spirit to ignite our hearts. Father God, and you said you would not be our debtor. So therefore, God, we're asking for a visitation. Not to meet our natural needs, O Lord God, or just to refresh our soul, but, O God, make yourself real to each of us. Cause the pant of our heart and the delight of our spirit, Heavenly Father, to be after your will. Father God, you said, as you said in Romans, O God, that those who are led by the Spirit, they are the sons and daughters of God. He said in Philippians, oh God, it's you who work inside of us. So God, as we stand at the gaze of your Spirit, as the eyes of God examine our hearts, Father God, may my brothers and my sisters reach for your grace right now, oh God, to surrender the things that you are identifying right now that are altars, that are idols in their life. Father God, and as they tear down those things, as they like Gideon, oh God, and gauge and proving you 
Father God, show them that you are indeed the one who will make them men and women of valor. People who can tear down the altars and chop up, chop down the high places, God, to make sacrifices unto your name. As we lift our hands, God, we do this as a physical representation of lifted hearts that are reaching, oh God, into the heavens to get more and more of you. Father God, you said in the, in the book, in the Garden of Gethsemane, as Jesus prayed and as he pressed him, angels came and ministered to him so that he could walk in the power of your will. So also, Lord God, as we engage in prayer, as we engage in songs of thanksgiving, God, come now and minister to us and empower us to walk in the power of your will. We want to do your exploits. We want to see many come to know your name. But beyond that, oh God, we want the thing that you have promised us. That the fullness of God can dwell inside of our hearts. Yeah. That that thing you said in Ephesians 3 and 4, Lord God, that this mystery could be unveiled. Father God, that the giftings of the apostolic and the evangelistic and all those natures, oh God, that were given to build us up, that we will all mature into the fullness of Christ. Father God, I thank you that you can be found in the day of your power. Father God, I thank you that I could hear you in the cool of the day. I thank you, God, that my soul has become like the Garden of Eden, O oh God, that your spirit would once again meet me, O oh God, in the time of my need. I thank you, God, that you're more than enough. You're not just a God to heal my natural body. You're not just a God to heal my mind. You're not just a God to protect me from calamity. But you're a God yeah. who is more than able to pour yourself inside of me. I thank you for the revelation that I am a vessel, God. I thank you that I'm big enough to hold your very presence. For you have created me perfect. You have created a soul inside of me, O oh God, that can receive your presence. Oh God, I can't do it on my own. We can't do it even on our own. The only thing, God, that will bring us to the perfection of your will is your spirit. So God, I ask for the person of the spirit to become very real. I pray for the voice whether it is loud as thunder, O oh God, or a still breeze, that we will learn to discern you, O oh Lord God. And when we discern you and we find you, God, we will cherish you. We will run to you. We will seek intimacy with you, God. We will not draw back from you, O oh Lord God, but we will encamp wherever you encamp. For your spirit is all we desire. We desire you, God. We desire you, Lord God. There's nothing 
more precious in this earth. There's no former passion or current distraction that is in my life that is more precious than you. Your name is more powerful. You are my exceeding great reward. You are, God, my exceeding great reward. You are our great exceeding reward. Cause us, God. Move upon my life. Move upon our lives, God. I say yes to you. I say yes to you. I say yes to you, God. Oh, give my brethren the boldness of God to say yes. Help us, oh God, lay these things down. Oh God, lift us up. Lift us up, oh God. You said like eagles' wings, oh God, you will take us to the heights. Lift us up, oh God. Cause me to soar above it all, God. I am journeying to you, God. At the heart of this message is really quite a simple challenge, which is, are you willing to be obedient? And I, I just want to emphasize the challenge around this for us, because that is completely and utterly countercultural, isn't it? Even the, the word obedience can cause a reaction in us, I think, because it's not very vogue. You know, the idea of being obedient means laying down control, doesn't it? And that sounds dangerous and risky. And you can try and justify why you don't want to be obedient. But I just want us to, to reflect on that. And I think we just need to be so aware that the spirit of the age is one about individualism and freedom and my personal choice. And it's in very, very um, difficult to extract yourself from that. But what we're talking about is something so radically different. It's an absolute trust in him that as we lay down our lives, he will pour in. So as we continue to spend time before him and wait for his spirit, if you are recognizing that that idea of being obedient is not what you want, I think this is the opportunity to step forward and ask for his help. And I would ask that if that's something that you're struggling with, that you would identify yourself, maybe just raise a hand and that some people around you could lay hands on you as well and we could pray for you. And I'm especially feeling, not entirely, but some of our young people, because this is the generation that you've grown up in. This is the message that we get. It's all about me, my choice. And obedience is certainly not something that um, we're taught really. So that could be a particular challenge for our young people, but actually I think it's a challenge for all of us. So let's be ready to lean in in that pillion passenger. Lay it all down before him and see where he nudges us. But Father God, help us to be obedient. So if, if that's you, I just want you to raise up your hand um, and some people around can, can pray, lay hands. Father God, help us to be obedient to your word. 
to the challenge to lay down our lives as we take control. Father God, we mess things up, but we know that you are the driver. You lead us, Father God, into good things. Your plans are to prosper us, not to harm us. You're not an angry father who's demanding obedience for control, but rather for release. So, Father God, I just ask for those who are responding this morning as they cry out to you and say, help me to be obedient, that you'd fill them with a new strength and faith and trust, Father. Oh, Father God, minister to them right now. Cause their hearts to melt before you. The things that they couldn't give up or leave before your altar, Father God, I cause them now, Father God, to lay down, Father. In the name of Jesus, we present these things, Father God, the very things that had a hold on us will become our worship offering and sacrifice to you. We speak release, Father God. We speak release, Father God. We speak freedom, Father God, a new ability to leave behind. Father God, you are cutting off the drag anchors. Some people may feel that this is a point where they really feel exposed and they don't feel they can take that step of declaring whatever it is that that God's raising up in them, that it's bubbling up. They can feel it coming to the surface, but they may be pushing it back down. But God's saying, don't worry, I won't leave you alone in this. You won't be exposed and and just alone. Um, And I can see a door. There's no handle, so you you don't have to take the time of opening it. It's not going to be a difficult process. Is a, is a swing door and if all you've got to do is just go and lean on it and, and God's waiting on the other side already his arms are wide and he, he's there ready to catch you so, so don't be afraid to take that step because he's, he already knows and he's there ready guys we're given we're given generous time to make sure we all capture this we want all of us to enter in, yeah? And as the band continues to lead us, dressing some, some worship songs, let us please use this opportunity just to press in and to get more of God. Just to get His Spirit. Yeah, God was just speaking to me, and I think it's for others of us as well, that you know, some of us may sometimes struggle to... Um, let go of thoughts that occupy us about those that we love who maybe you know we long for something for God to do something for and um, you know we, we try and think of all the fix-its that we can but actually this is the time to be not selfishly actually coming to God yourself just to worship him you and him and to trust him that he's the fixer yes. that you're not the fixer and, you know, if until this point you've been quite distracted by thoughts of somebody that you love, you're trying to work things out, I think God just wants to encourage you. Come on, I'm here. I love you. I want to fill you up. I want to have that sweet time with you. And just to let God do the stuff that you can't do. 
When Phil was speaking, it brought this to mind. It's from uh, John 5. It says, Jesus walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who's called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen, doing what they did. Exactly as Hans was talking. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And then it says, Immediately they left their nets and followed him. This business of obedience is not something that you say, Shall I, shan't I? Maybe tomorrow, maybe next week. Immediate. As Andy just read that, in the podcast that Mark had listened to, um, the, the speaker was saying to the, the individuals, a lot of people do great exploits. But the only thing God will be asking you on that day is did you do what he asked you to do? And, you know, we often read that scripture that didn't I cast out in your name, didn't I do this? And, we often think we're not those individuals <laughs> because we're witnessing to somebody on the job or we, you know, we, 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 we're speaking to a family member about coming to Christ or we're doing things that seemingly match up to the things that God commissioned us to do. When Mark mentioned that to me, it just made me think, God, how even in the things that looks righteous, that seem nice, I could make sure that obedience is the thing that releases me to do any activity, not just a good thought, all right? So now we started from obedience from a sense of giving up the things, the passions of the world or former life. But even for those of you who may be doing what looks externally as great exploit, make sure when the plumb line of God is held against the activities of your life, those things match up to what he asks you to do. And I often quote the scripture again and again, you know, and mention it in, from John 14 to 16. Jesus did not give an account for the multitude, only for those whom he was sent to reveal the Father to. Yeah? And those are the disciples. And you got to ask God, above all that I could do, how I can make sure God don't care how far my light shines when you ask me did you did you Hans do what I asked you to do I could say yes God Lucy said it it's being selfish it's not having the good ideas and thinking about all the things you want to add to the kingdom but make sure that you could say God I made your name a praise Give it all hi um this was what I received from God when I was listening to the teachings. And God says, uh, God, did, God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out of him and find him. Though he is not far away from any one of us. He's right here. This is the chance. Grab him. He's not far away. He's next to you, in front, behind. Just grab him. Thanks. I bring confirmation to that word. I've been sitting there musing upon this picture for a while. And it's of Peter Pan and Wendy sitting on the windowsill looking out at the stars thinking, 
there's got to be more to life than this. And I saw a number of individuals actually in this room sitting on a windowsill thinking there's got to be more than this. Got to be more than this. I'm waiting for something to change. And Peter Pan comes flying through and reaches out his hand. And at that that point, she's got a choice to make to let go of that window ledge and hold on to him or keep rooted to the windowsill and stay where she is. There is an invitation this morning for you to reach out your hand and let go from something that is keeping you. I don't know what that is, but I think God's already started working this morning in dropping into your heart what you are holding on to. What bit keeps you rooted to where you are? What bit prevents you from actually being free? God's hand is strong. He's not going to let you fall. He's not going to leave you exposed. Reach out your hand this morning and make a simple decision to I let go of this. And if you don't think you've got the power and even to do that, then ask him. It's time to soar. It's time to soar. I often have words with that. Some people sort of say, oh, it's a little bit imagery and stuff of soaring with God. But I think soaring with God is seeing things from his perspective. Things change. It's time to soar. Say, Father, this morning, for those that want to, Father, Father, I pray they can hold out their hand. That they can let go of their windowsills. they will feel your hand grasping theirs and in that place there is security in that place there is security in that place there is a place of just feeling safe with you and Father God you would enable them to soar and to see And to leave behind circumstances which have kept them back and kept them rooted. Circumstances rooted in fear, in unforgiveness, in illness, in pride, in worry, in financial matters. There's a place to soar this morning. And out of obedience, we decide and we choose to let go of our grip and soar with you and see things from your perspective. Um, I've been reading Romans 8 since last week and Hans used it again this morning and I just want to read the last, well, from 14 to 17 again, just by way of emphasis. For as many of you are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you didn't receive a spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received a spirit of adoption, by which we cry out, Abba, Father. 
For the Spirit himself bears witness to our spirit that we are the children of God. And if we're children, then we're heirs and heirs with God and joint heirs with Christ. If we suffer with him, that we are also glorified together. Uh, When we were singing that um, Hands Wide Open song, I just had a feeling like um, I can't climb this mountain with my arms wide open because I need to hold on to my children's hands and keep them safe. And I just felt like God say, no, you raise your hands. I've got their hands. Um, Because it can feel like a legitimate thing to kind of worry about them or kind of concern myself with, you know, what, what ifs and keeping them safe. But he said, no, I have them safe. And you've heard evidence of that this morning. Okay, so we've provided quite a bit of space this morning. And you've noticed over the last few Sundays, there's been more space than usual in the meetings to allow God's spirit to kind of work in us. And we're really expecting that, as Han said, this is about going from head to heart and real change. So God's shaping our hearts as as we come together. But of course, he's not finished with us yet. We might be finishing our meeting, but that doesn't mean he's finished with us yet. And for those of you who have heard clearly this morning about the things that you're yielding to him in, the things that you're choosing to be obedient in, I want to encourage you to hold those carefully before God, to, to write them down, not to lose sight of them. You know, we don't want to be like that section in James where it talks about the man who looks in the mirror you know we don't want to be blown by the wind this way and that way so write them down I really want to encourage you to share those with your house group leaders your development group leaders maybe even you might talk about those things at group because this is about working these things through and shared life with one another Um, and if you're feeling perhaps you can't do that then seek an opportunity to talk to a, a leader in a private, one of, one of the core team perhaps. But I think this is about, you know, Andy said that word immediately. It's about responding and there's something in us for this. So, yeah, if you want prayer, please do feel free to come forward this morning. We will have a team to stand with you and pray with you and uh, enjoy the rest of your Sunday.